This is Shifron Stop, a fun podcast about games and cultural stuff and comedy and interviews. Hello, it's Shifron Stop. You're listening to episode 52. Welcome to you. Rue, I feel like I haven't seen you in a month. Hello, so much Layla. has happened. You've been busy. I have. How was Rue 3 play? <laughs> Yeah, I think we should actually try and try and make that um, the official pronunciation. It was good. It was actually it was brilliant. It really was. And it's basically just one or two guys um, who decided a few months ago that they were going to put on a massive retro gaming event, and it's pretty much the biggest one there's ever been. Wow. I think it's, it's absolutely vast. Like it, the, the address is this hotel. So you think oh, it'll be like in a little hotel lobby or something, but it's like a castle. <laughs> it's absolutely immense. Um, and just everything, like every machine that you remember or could think of or didn't even know existed. Pinball, there's a pinball alley you could go and play on all wow. these, like these guys bought loads of pinball machines. There's um, a room dedicated to the National Museum of Computing at Bletchley, so all the really ancient like uh, counting machines and stuff like that one James Larson brought. Oh yeah. Um, there were um, just all the old arcade machines from the 70s and 80s and, and they, just, people were just absolutely caning them like um, Frogger with the actual like little frogs drawn on the top and stuff so really and these nice. were like first generation yeah. restored lots of yeah lots of those um, they had some restored um, the tabletop one you know the cocktail oh, yeah. Bar, yeah. table just and just all the geeks in the world uh, so it was it was really fun but really tiring and I just I had so many conversations <laughs> just <laughs> the most geeky thing ever I'll have a three play special next week okay let's do that and, and if you go to the Vimeo um, of our our Vimeo page which you'll find at vimeo.com slash frontstop then there is a video trailer already there Ooh. of Ian Lee so you can go and find that Hey, it's Andy Nyman. I'm in reception. We have a very special guest today. It's so exciting. I can't believe it's actually happening. He's a superstar celebrity. He's an actor. Uh, he's the man who works behind the scenes with Darren Brown. And he's Jewish. And he's like a bloke. <laughs> Is that one of his talents? Well, I was going to say, he's like he's a bloke in his 40s, and he's right. a Jew, and he's a magician, so I think we're going to get on a, like a house on fire. <laughs> it's going to be brilliant. <laughs> he meet, meets all of the demographic requirements for uh, a guest on Shift Front Stop, except, uh, do you think he's ever written for The Guardian? Oh, I, I bet he has. Secretly. I bet he has. But he's, yeah, I mean, he's like the template of my ultimate friend, so, <laughs> so I expect it'll be fine. <laughs> it's going to be great. Are you listening to that, listeners? If you're 40 <laughs> and a Jewish magician man, yes. Layla likes you. It's going to be brilliant, yeah. We're going to be, like, best friends. You know, I am a magician in the respect that I have worked professionally as a magician over the years. I've always loved magic and, you know, I'm clearly very much a part of that world because, you know, I've written the Darren Brown show with Darren for ten years and directed all those things. But, in my head, the magic is hobby so i always slightly bristle you know if people are like yeah, magician no on your website it says um <coughs> yeah, magi- magician will be the last <coughs> one on the list yeah. actor writer director magician there you go actor first then yeah that's always been in my head that's how i've always he's kind of done everything i I've, I've always thought it's really important to sort of put a compartment around things so i would think for the first until we won the Olivier Award for Darren, no one even knew I really did it. It was just something that was my thing. 
mm-hmm. I did. So the profile suddenly raised through that. And also, you know, I was on in the late... God, when would it have been? Late 80s. I was, you know, did a huge amount of close-up magic at private events and all of that stuff. So learnt that trade and loved it and still love it, still sort of obsessed with it, but as a hobby. I think that the business it can be very close-minded so that, you know, if they think you're a magician, it's, oh, right, so have you stopped acting? <laughs> so you directed this, oh, right, so you stopped acting. You're acting this, so you're no longer directing. And what's the role that you've most enjoyed playing when you've been acting? Pretty much every single job I've ever done, I've loved doing. Um, because I think... I, I can't bear moaners. I can't bear moaners when you work with them, and I can't, it just drives me mad. You know, especially when you're incredibly fortunate to be doing something you love doing. Everything I've done, I've loved to do. I guess there are a few real standouts. I suppose Dead Set. You know, people seem to really love, and that was just a joy to do. I've watched a few of your things before, anyway, and then I watched some of them again this week, and um, I was thinking about that. You do. You don't really get typecast it's quite surprising Mm. like even though some of the films and things you do might be similar in certain ways and they have similar themes running through them but you still manage to be a completely different character in each Mm. one it's really cool and again in ghost stories like you're obviously you've created a completely new character for that and maybe it's a little bit there's something darren brown in there maybe Mm. and there's a little um but yeah in um in dead set I just wanted to talk about the way you die because it's so amazing. <laughs> and like, how did they? How did they do? And there's a bit where you cut up a man's body and put all bits in a bowl, and it's just looks so realistic. And you just yeah. genuinely can't look. It's horrendous. Yeah, it's quite a, quite a gruesome <laughs> program in a lot of ways. It was amazing. That I mean, that was I hadn't done a telly for ten years because I'd I'd sort of done a lot of theatre, and then I got a bit bored with that process because I find, sometimes I find actors really frustrating. I mean, I love them as well, but the rehearsal process can be really, you know, people just talk for hours, <laughs> as opposed to just get up and do it, just do it, you know. And I was also, obs- I've always been, film has been like my key sort of obsession. And film is the opposite of that process, you know. Sometimes you want to go, hang on, hang on, can we just talk about it for five minutes, <laughs> rather than we just, OK, and action, come on, we've got to get 12 things in today. So, but I, I was lucky enough to go and do sort of 10 years of films and then dead set. Uh, I got a phone call from my agent who for 10 years, I, I just sort of said, don't even ask about telly because I just, that's not what I want to do at the moment. And this came through and they said, there's this telly thing. I was like, no, no. And they said, hang on, hang on. It's written by Charlie Brooker. I went, ooh. <laughs> and they sent it through and I just read it and thought, oh my God, that is fucking amazing. <laughs> And at that time, I did have a handlebar moustache that I just was wearing anyway. I just, li- I really liked it. <laughs> I like messing about with my sort of facial hair and stuff. And, we should um, say that now Andy's wearing a sort of all-over light beard and then with a kind of... Yeah, sort of goatee. Tash goatee, yeah. all-in-one... Combo. It's, it's nice. It's Thank a good you. look. It Thank you very you. much. Thank <laughs> you. I'm sort of desperate to get rid of it, but I can't at the moment because of stuff that I'm filming. But anyway, <laughs> different thing. So, because um, it's hard when you're an actor and you go in there... And it's hard. One of the things I think you really have to learn is not to just be constantly grateful for an audition or for work or the opportunity mm. to work. And that's very difficult when you freelance because a lot of the time you just think, oh, good, I'll be able to pay my mortgage if I get this. Mm. Great, good, good, please, please give it to me. You know, it's very hard not to just to not be of that mindset. And one of the great things about magic was, you know, it's been very liberating in that respect because I do that and I do voiceovers and bits and bobs and I'd always done lots of other things that meant I could pay my mortgage which meant that I could afford 
for 10 years to saying no telly, no mm. adverts, none of that stuff that I was doing. And as you very kindly said, you know, not been typecast, and especially when you're a little stocky bloke who sort of, it's not like I'm this physically, oh my God, he, you know, he's so tall. You know, I'm very much this little bulldog cube. And, but within that, you know, Rightly or wrongly, I grew up wanting to be De Niro and Pacino and all those people that you emulate and think, God, that's just amazing, you know. To short actors. Short, uh, short stocky actors, <laughs> yeah, short yeah. Really, yeah, they're all short, yeah, because you're deformed. <laughs> I'm a bit above, lanky. Above five foot eight, <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, I, that, that's what I wanted to do, and being having those other revenue streams meant that I could pick jobs that meant I, I would have the opportunity to kind of stretch myself. Um, but one of the things when I, when I met them for Dead Set was, you know, I'd read this script and said, so how committed are you to the violence in this and how committed are Channel 4 to it? Um, because, of course, it's one thing to have the thing on paper and it's another <laughs> when they suddenly go, well, you know, the moral outrage will be... Blah, blah, blah. But they said, no, no, everyone's really behind it. Okay. And in the script, I just got killed. I didn't. I didn't get the... It's, it's actually an homage to Day of the Dead, that mm-hmm. uh, that murder. And so when I got there, they had to do a chest cast. I think they were going to sort of sort of pull my chest open or something. And when I got there on day one, they said the the, the effects guys who I got on like a house on fire with because I've just been obsessed with horror and special effects and stuff mm-hmm. since I was a kid. So knew a lot about that stuff and I've got lots of books on it. So I was desperate to talk to them and they said, you know, look, we. Th- think we're going to rip your head off <laughs> well, that was music to my ears so what are you talking about and they said well we've got to do a head cast which i was over the moon about <laughs> and uh, so i then went to the producer and said only doing the head cast if i can keep the head because <laughs> on severance um where my leg gets ripped off that you know they'd done a leg cast and all of that and this thing was incredible i mean it's so odd to they see your limb yes yeah Yeah, well, that thing is so real. And they said, you know, that's yours, absolutely, that's yours. I'm so excited. But then, of course, they gave it to the producer. So I made them swear I could have my head. And and in my kind of study at home, in this big rusty box, is that head. It was amazing to be able to do that, uh, to go through that stuff. And then the cutting up the body, that was another thing where, you know, a, a lot of that shoot was... You know, the term you get, you hear a lot when you're filming stuff is KBS, which is kick, bollock, scramble, which is everything is, you know, this crazy, <laughs> frantic. And Jan, the director, was just brilliant because he really works very well like that and works very well with his DP. And that was one of those sequences where they sort of had an idea of what they wanted, the cutting up the body, but didn't kind of have the tools for it, didn't have the... Um, the correct knives to do all of that stuff. My magical knowledge was incredibly useful because I could very quickly, A, tell them what they needed mechanically, mm. and B, I used a lot of um, kind of slight hand on the guts stuff, but also um, te- the techniques that the guys who do psychic surgery use, whereby mm. it looks like you're putting your hands inside a body and all of that stuff. So. So that was a great, one of those great things where you can kind of throw everything in that you've got. <laughs> Around the world in 80 snacks. Philip Neorth, is that how it's pronounced? Philip North Philip, is his name. Oh, yeah. but, but he's, and he's known as Neorth. Yes. 
um, has been to Switzerland from the looks of things. Yes, and some of these things don't look very Swiss until you actually look at the uh, ingredients on the back and then you realise that it is from another country. Oh, and uh, um, 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 Migros, from the looks of things, is quite uh, is a reasonably well-known, uh, obviously, uh, budget supermarket. Yes, budget, says on it. Uh, shall, I, shall, I, shall I crack it open? Crack yeah. it. Do we need cups or should we just... Oh, oh, hello. <laughs> it's, it's the, it's the colour of beer, which is quite nice. Maybe quite a red beer. drink for a budget for oh, a sugar-free drink. Uh, for me, I think, it's, uh, I think it might be an energy drink. It smells very energy drink-like. It's a sugar-free energy drink, though. Why aren't that's they making it clear that it's an energy drink Ooh, on the outside? Wow. Well, Perhaps that's the only kind of drink they have in Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's high on Red Bull constantly. Oh, it stinks of caffeine. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's some sort of sugar-free Red Bull. It smells just like Red Bull. It's quite good, actually. Considering it's sugar-free, it tastes all right. Wow, and we've, we've got another drink here. We have another equally mysterious drink, which is in a brown plastic bottle that looks like it works a bit like Nuki Brown or something. Yeah, from, 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 from this side of the <laughs> bottle, I thought I, I was hoping it was a, a Nutella drink. <laughs> but in fact, it's called Rivella. Rivella. Um, Should we open it up? Shall I um, have a go? And, and again, no implication of what the flavour. I, I, I hope it's a sports, uh, an energy Red Bull-style drink. I really want some more of it now. What is it, Dave? That's nice. Is it? Is that's, it beer? that's quite unexpected. It's not beer. Mm, it's gingery. It's like gingery. It's beer. very mild, though. I mean, yeah. to be honest, I, I don't know whether I'm imagining there was a flavour there or not, or it's just because it's warm. Oh, yeah. It's sort of like ginger and apple or something. Yeah, it's a sort of generic, sugary, slightly fruity, slightly gingery, but without any real kick to it. Oh, God. Right, the uh, the French is paying off. So it's a it's a boisson de, de table gaziflée. That's a fizzy table drink. That's yeah, a fizzy fizzy table with thirty five percent serum of milk. Oh my goodness, we're drinking a milk serum. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like so. I mean, this is the, these are the ingredients in French. I mean, so it's water, serum, delay, uh, no sugar. You see, so now I'm going to take another glass. Uh, that's why it was a strange flavour that we couldn't place. It's a little, but no, what it tastes of to me is quite a dilute Pims. Yeah. You know, Pims has yeah. a lot of sort of fruity flavours in. Yeah. I don't know what the technical term is for, for milk serum. I, I like to think, you know, maybe that maybe that's what this is what we'd call cream soda, but I think there might be some sort of specific yeah. medical extraction They've process. Extracted some milk. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's um well, you know, not bad though. I think if they brought that over here, I'd um I I I, I wouldn't ignore it. I'd completely. mix it with vodka. <laughs> You'd mix a lot of things with vodka. <laughs> that would be my preferred route to environment. <laughs> My role with Darren was, you know, for the past 10 years, we've written absolutely everything together. And the stage shows, I wrote with Darren and directed all of the stage shows. And then on the TV series, you know, we wrote everything together, just um, for the most part, myself and him. And then, you know, the team of a few other people who would come in and help out. And then it was also about, on the very first kind of specials, kind of sort of creating what the shows were and finding what the tone was and always kind of moving it ahead of you always changing it and shifting it and morphing it and um so that's what the role has been for 10 years you know and it's only now that i've stepped out of it because i just i don't have the time mm-hmm. now um but it's been you know an amazing you know everything russian roulette and heist and mm. the, the lottery thing the lottery yeah i mean absolutely everything you know, You're not going to tell us how you did it, are you? I'm not telling you I did any of it. <laughs> <laughs> I might yeah. as well go. I think the interview's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah still, get out. all off. Yeah. <laughs> no further questions. <laughs>
So I was going to ask you about improvising. Mm. When you're working with a script that the amazing Charlie Brooker has written, mm-hmm. does that leave you with room for making up stuff on top of it, or, or it, do you work to a script? And also, you have done films where pretty much the entire thing has been improvised, haven't you? Yeah. I'm really comfy with it. So to take this in the sort of order you asked them, the dead set thing was, you know, a lot of the time on a production, impro is about shortfalls of the script. They'll make it work. <laughs> you know, which is always... That, that, that kind of impro is just the worst. Because, lazy writing. Well, it's lazy writing, number one. And number two, it's the, the, it, all the pressure on you is in the wrong place. It's about salvaging. You know, it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not about creating or enhancing. Mm. But Charlie's script was so good that you, you didn't really need anything other than what was on the page. Now, having said that, there were, you know, moments where Jan, the director, would, would allow me free reign once we'd kind of got sort of what we wanted to just play stuff and throw stuff. So there's quite a lot of improvised material in there, especially the chopping up Mm. scene. You know, the first, probably the first three or four of those lines is what was scripted and then the rest of it is just free form. And then, you know, there are other bits and bobs in and out of the script that are improvised. Um, And then I have done, I did a a movie called Played that's this... um, Gangster film, sinking feeling in everybody when you hear those two <laughs> words, obviously. Um, but where everything was improvised in that, so you'd have your in and out, you'd know where the scene would start and where the scene would finish. And then other than that, everything was up for grabs. And that was just electric to do, you know, because it's so alive and so real. As long as the people you're with can do it as well. And when you did play, that, mm. that was with some pretty big names as well, wasn't it? I'm yeah. remembering like Val Kilmer and... Yeah, Val Kilmer and um, a couple of big scenes with Vinnie Jones. He was amazing, I've got to tell you. I mean, you know, he gets a bit of a rough ride, I think, because people just think he's a one-trick pony and all that. But, you know, people forget that he is a guy who's grafted and probably done 50 movies now. Wow. And... You know, Nick Nolte was a footballer. There are lots of those guys out there, and I'm not saying that he's going to end. Vinnie Jones is going to end up as an Oscar winner, but seriously, I thought he was absolutely amazing in the scenes we did. Absolutely on it, on it. Because I'm very comfy in praying, and I'm, I think I'm pretty sharp on it. And whatever I threw at him, he would throw back, and was he was brilliant. Did Valcomer make you feel small? I mean, not not to get back to the height thing again, but yeah, like because yeah. he's a big bloke, isn't he's he? A big bloke. Yeah, no, I just uh, this thread of questioning. In my head, in my head, I'm a really big bloke. <laughs> Truly, I really am. You're not that short, really. I mean, I you're, you say, must be though, like you do have a. Um, you do have a presence, like when watching ghost stories. You, yeah. you seem you seem like a big tall man. You know, yeah. like a, you don't think, oh, there's a small man on the stage. No. It's like you're you're. <laughs> liking her. He's touching me. Really liking her. <laughs> that and the versatile compliment. I know, oh, I know. We're on a winner. I've got yeah. loads. Layla's line of question is obviously a lot better than mine, which is, did he make you feel small? Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but I've never thought of myself as small ever, ever, ever. The only time I think. It, I'm small is if I'm watching stuff or the stills and I think oh, can I lose that short <laughs> my god <laughs> you're small but I never think that you know I think I'm I don't know I always think I'm you know a big man is what I think in my head that's my always been my self image so I've never it's never ever been an issue for me ever I did a movie called Death at a Funeral mm. and um 
And that movie, The World Over, is, honest to God, massive, massive, massive in Australia, New Zealand, Italy, Germany, France, um, Japan. I mean, crazy, crazy popular. Mm. Here, committed the cardinal sin of being middle class. (laughs) So sort of, you know, you know, was on and off in two weeks or something, you know, to sort of mediocre reviews. But huge on DVD here now, Mm. and people love it. And then it's been remade, there's the Chris Rock version of it and it's really amazing when you think that well i don't know why we have a bit of a thing about our own stuff mm. do you have a, a like an art house cinema that you like going to near in you? your house no yes. i have <laughs> got a scr- we have, have got you? a cinema at home oh, yeah nice. yeah God. we have got a, a, a screen that you know we bring you're probably down the, and... the richest person we've ever interviewed <laughs> oh hardly no, no you, honestly you should see the way we live it's just our priorities you know it's like we, we've got this cra- you know crazy two-bedroom flat but <laughs> down comes the screen do you often have friends around then and, and uh, lay well, on a movie well, not, not as much as not as much as we should yeah because it's you know especially at the moment with ghost stories I'm out mm. every night you know so apart from Mondays you know so isn't it knackering or do you just kind of ride no, I love the it. wave I love it yeah. I wake up and cannot wait to do it oh. yeah this weekend Halloween weekend just gone we just did three on Saturday we did seven nine thirty and midnight oh god it was amazing <laughs> absolutely amazing that was a bit tiring but um no, I do love it. And again, it's going back to that thing of not moaning. Jesus Christ. Mm. Me and my oldest mate have written a play, we've directed it, and I star in it. You know, how <laughs> could you sit here and go, yeah, it's exhausting, I'd love a day off. You know, it's just, how day. You've got to enjoy it, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. And I've been out of drama school 23 years. So it's, you know, a lot of hard work. But that's lovely, I like that, you know. It was just occurring to me when you were talking about, um, well, when we were talking about Dead Set and Ghost Stories, that a lot of people don't talk about the comedy in Ghost Stories, but it's actually really mm. funny, and I, th- yes. I really enjoyed that, and I wasn't expecting it. But do you think that there's something where the kind of, the comedy almost puts you in a place of um, comfort where the horror that then arrives later is more shocking? Exactly, yeah, it's exactly... Mm. Well, there are two things, two theories, really, I think. The first is that they live side-by-side so comfortably because they're both... Horror and comedy are both sort of non-cerebral reactions, you know. You either Mm. burst out laughing or you scream, you know. It's not like, I think I'll scream now, (laughs) or I think I'll burst out laughing, because that's very clever. (laughs) I like what they've done there. You know, it just happens. Both Mm. of those things have got reactions. So they're very similar. Mm. I think that's the first thing. But the second thing is, to present your audience with a laugh is, in magic, what's called the offbeat. Because what it does is it relaxes you. So if you're going to misdirect, if you're going to take, you know, if you're going to take something and vanish it, then it's much better to take that and make a little thing that makes you kind of uh, relax as you do that. Yeah. But, and because it just it takes you on the back foot. They're all very similar. These things, you know, it's also like it's like a fight because it's the same thing. You know, and showbiz is filled with language that sort of quite aggressive language. I, I think that say you know something is. It's very powerful. Or, how did you do last night? Oh, I killed them. Mm. I killed the audience. I slayed them. Um, you know, oh, that, that gag just kicked him in the ball. You know, I mean, it's absolutely... It is, it's quite an aggressive... It doesn't sound like it when you're saying it. Mm. And I think in the way that you can throw a sucker punch and then when they go this way, you go that way. And, mm. and it's the same with a laugh because you can 
disarm your audience, you know, as long as it's, if it's done well. Mm. And just when they think, oh, that's bang, then you can really go in and, and hit them with something that they really don't expect. But also in ghost stories, there's um, a photo of a, um, like yeah. a ghost photo. Yeah, yeah. Is that a mock-up or is it real? Okay, so... What's the story there? It is real. If you'd have, really if, scary, if really you'd have brought scary. a souvenir brochure in the inside of the back, is that photo right. with the people, uh, the two on the left who are still alive, coming to see it in Hammersmith. Oh, right. Um, one of the interesting things about ghost stories is, and again, without going into any details, because one of the exciting thing is that people really don't know anything about yeah. it. I mean, it's amazing that the people have kept the secrets. Is that there's a huge amount of truth in the show. Mm. So... Everything that I talk about is true. And if you go... Because it looks so like oh, it must horrible. have been made up and it's so frightening. No. <laughs> it's really, you know when you're a kid and you look at those, go, you get those ghost books out of the library, I don't know if you did this. Yeah. Um, Andy obviously did. You know you get those ghost books, books. Of, books about ghosts and they always have like, here is a real photo of a ghost. Yeah. And it's the most chilling thing <laughs> and you can't sleep for a week and then it's got on the next page, it's like, also unexplained, spontaneous human combustion. And you just now, go, oh, what you're, I think what you're talking about is I've got in my dressing room <laughs> The Unexplained, yeah, which was a magazine, well. exactly yeah. that. And I know what picture you're thinking of. <laughs> the Zimmer frame with the foot by the oh, side of it with the ashes. Yeah. Just cost that... <laughs> photo has left. haunted a generation <laughs> it has and I'd forgotten about it until recently when I got the full unexplained off eBay bound <laughs> brilliant oh my god I was looking through because I didn't get them all when I was a kid but I certainly got the first app and I'm, uh, issue, mm. and I'm looking through it and I'm like, oh, UFOs god I remember that and mm. Loch, Loch Ness Monster god I remember that picture and I saw that human <laughs> spontaneous human combustion <laughs> Zimmer frame with the ashen football. I just went cold I hadn't <laughs> thought about that for 30 years and it scared me so much when I was a kid yeah it's weird how there are a few things like that that yeah. just get you and you can't... Uh. Well, it's such a bizarre idea. <laughs> Spontaneous human combustion. I mean, it's clearly bollocks, but the most phenomenal... The idea that someone's even thought that up, because all those photos... <laughs> what's amazing about all those photos is they're always by fireplaces. <laughs> That's what I was... So there's someone... As though either... Let's look at this. Either someone's gone, oh my God, shit, I've caught fire. Yeah. Or I'm on fire. Where should I go? Fireplace. <laughs> I'll go near the fireplace. I'll go near the fireplace. Go near the hearth. Don't set fire to the carpet. <laughs> I mean, it's the most bizarre thing. It's often smokers as well. It's often very yeah, old yeah, people yeah. who smoke. Yeah, it's quite amazing. He, he was smoking a woodbine, he fell asleep. <laughs> And the next thing you hear, spontaneously, humanly combusted. Yeah, nothing to do There's with nothing, the fire no, nothing or the smoking. With the fact, yeah, he'd left the gas on. And, um, yeah. But just the idea, that, I mean, regardless of whether it's spontaneous or not, the idea that you can be left with just a foot. I mean, that's, I oh, that's <laughs> the thing. That's, yeah. Or just a pair of shoes. Yeah, like sorry. you're going to burn that thoroughly. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, and I've heard people say that maybe it's a wicking process and the fat oh, from your body God, yeah. just like burns really, really thoroughly. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Not nice. Not nice at all. Not good. Human <laughs> candles. <laughs> But don't they give you nightmares, like being obsessed with all this stuff? Do you not find... Because the whole point of being interested in it is that it scares you, right? You can't be interested in it without getting scared by it. So do you not find that you 
become unduly scared No, because none of this, none of this stuff scares me. That this stuff oh, really? doesn't scare it me. No. I did a film a few years ago called Uprising. This thing about the Warsaw, the Jewish uprising in the Warsaw Ghetto, and I had nightmares during that because mm. that's just you know man's capacity for evil. I know it sounds mm. cheesy to say you mm. know no what man can do is terrifying. Mm. But truly, that is the thing that you think that's frightening. This is all survival. This is all animal programming, you know, all this. Mm. That's what I believe, all the ghost stuff and all that. You know, that's all storytelling and that's a massive part of the way humans are put together, Mm. I think. But no, it doesn't scare me. And by that you mean sort of the ability to see danger where there's nothing to see. Yeah. And, you know, spotting things yeah, because yeah. It's, going to be a, it's going to be a threat to your life. Yeah, yeah, all of that stuff. And also just the nature to believe in something and the nature to have those mm. lessons and stories taught to us in, in whatever capacity that is. I think I love that. I love that part of sort of human nature. Doesn't mean you don't get creeped out if you're in a building alone by yourself, all those things, yeah. of course. But I'm not scared by it. It doesn't give me nightmares. Ghost stories, how long does it run for? It is running now. It's just extended till February. Oh, mm. so it goes. I think it's Feb the nineteenth. I leave on November the seventh for two months, and Reese Shearsmith is taking over. All oh, right, which is very exciting. Mm. League of Gentlemen. In League yeah. of Gentlemen. Yeah, and then I come back in January for six weeks and take it through till the end of Feb, and then we'll see what happens then. Whether we continue or whether we tour it mm. or whether we something else with it exciting so mm. people have got a choice then if people want want to see ghost stories they can either see it with Andy Lyman or with Rishi Smith. well I suspect by the yeah they can I was going to say by the time wait. this goes out they can either wait yeah but don't wait <laughs> go see it you'll want to see it twice is ah, the truth if not more yeah. I get I can't tell you how many tweets and things I get from people who've been I got an email the other day from some guy who's been 18 times Whoa. I do believe and I'm not saying this to sell tickets but it is absolutely a show that you can see more than once and get a huge... It's Seeing it certainly a second time is a completely different show because once you've unlocked some of the secrets of it, mm. seeing it a second time, you realise, mm. oh, my God, that's that, that's this, that's that, that's yeah. that. You know, there are lots yeah. of other new things to see. Um, yeah, it's one where we were going home going, like, oh, so that was about... And you spend, like, the next sort of the entire day like I'm picking it all and going so that was because of that ah mm. and it's yeah uh, it's good it's good it's really good go and see it <laughs> I recommend it it's good what, are, what else do we have Phil is our M&M supplier he's the same guy that sent us the mint ones last time I liked them they were lovely yeah they so the, well these aren't mint M&M's these, these are, are coconut else. M&M's I think yeah. they, and they're all coconut even the, even the green and the, and the white and the, mm. and the brown ones I don't know. oh they are coconutty aren't they mm. Mm. expecting there to be some coconut inside I thought there might be like a coconut lump in the middle but there's not oh. they've gone for just a, a straightforward coconut flavoured chocolate filling I think it's like the orange smarty I think you know maybe like, well, you know Terry's chocolate orange doesn't have bits of orange in it <laughs> no, but the mint uh, M&M's oh. which you missed out on had flex. they had a little lump in the middle a little a little core a little mm. minty core mm. and they were round weren't they are these oh these are traditional that? M&M shaped mm, I don't like coconut flavoured things I'm not convinced about these so we have um, the Petit last, Beurre the last thing from, from Philip this is, this is sort of French influence and South American influence um, so it's a, a, a jalapeno flavoured chocolate mm. on a butter biscuit. Um, with little pictures of 
It's like those animal biscuits. Do Moocow biscuits have great slabs of chocolate on them? No, no, they don't. But clearly, you know, this is Switzerland. They want to make the most of, of their national export. They're kind of crimped around the edges, and then they have a good sort of hearty slab of chocolate on the top, with each one is printed with a different kind of folk image. Ooh. Which I think are quite... So, like, so here, for instance, I, I, I have a child... Uh, perhaps smoking a pipe and playing playing the double bass. No, if that's a child, then that's a cello. Oh, okay, yeah, surely, or even perhaps a violin. If yeah, it's a small child, uh, maybe maybe it's um, <laughs> maybe maybe it's a giant child-faced man smoking. Mm. A, anyway, back to the business. oh no, you're right. I think I think it is a man. And how how's yeah. the uh, jalapeno chocolate? It's lovely. I'm not getting the jalapeno particularly, but it's very chocolatey. And this is a good biscuit. I was I was scared by it. The, the, there's tiny little bits of jalapeno in there. Yeah, it's good chocolate actually. Mm. They know the chocolate the Swiss. It's nice. I'm glad we saved this to last. This is brilliant. Are you getting a little hint of the warmth of there? I am. And actually, I, I think of all the countries we visited, Switzerland um, Switzerland has, has pulled it back uh, like um, with a surprising surprising finisher here. Mm. Yep. Oh, that's not proper football talk. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. It was a game of several halves, mm. and the last one was was sick as a parrot. I don't know. I don't know if Switzerland even play football, but I think um, they must at some level play football. Surely, <laughs> like some people in the country it's must. A, it's a very mountainous country, right? Really. <laughs> <laughs> there's no room for it. You know, they spend the whole time skiing. And They've developed alternatives to football. Hosting the Davos conference. I like the chili chocolate though. That's that's very um, nice. Very yeah. good quality. Yes, oh yeah, I can eat those all, all day and all night. It's called um, Petit Beurre Chili Jalapeno, and I recommend it if you see it when you're in Switzerland. Buy it as a present for someone. Well, once, once again, thank you, Philip North. You've surprised and delighted our palates. I think milk serum is perhaps what's left over of milk after you've got the kind of fatty bits out of it. People, obviously, we have the internet. People can look it up and find out what it really is and what we've what we've drunk nearly th- a third of a bottle of. Well, that's what I'm doing so before we- I go to sleep tonight <laughs> <laughs> to see whether I need to stick it back up again or whether it can stay in there. You need, you need urgent medical attention. Yeah. It's not. It's not like milk serum is is a magical ingredient that will turn you into a cow. It's, it's not like it's not like Spider Man. You, you, you will not now develop cow like abilities. <laughs> Why isn't there more scary theatre, or is there? There's beginning to be more. Um, There was years ago, I mean, you know, um, the original Dracula was based on Mm. a Broadway smash version of, you know, that on stage. And um, so there was the the Grand Guinol Theatre in Paris that was all guts and blood and very violent so you know there's a great history of violence in theatre you know a lot of Shakespeare's plays are really brutal but apart from the woman in black in my lifetime there's re- that's really all there's, there's been and there's beginning to be a little bit of resurgence and I suspect post ghost stories we'll see yeah. we'll see more coming through but I think that I think it's quite a hard thing to do and I think you have to really the thing with me and Jeremy is we love it we love that genre and we, we didn't we wrote the play that we wanted to see, you know, and that mm. was the only way we could do it. We didn't do it thinking, we'll, you know, we'll methodically write something mm. that will run in the West End. I mean, we just wrote with all the madness and unconstrained sort of thinking that we wanted to do, you know. So, um, so I think that's one of the things, one of the key elements is, 
if you don't really know and love horror, it's quite a hard thing to to sit down and go, right, that's right, a ghost, that's right, a scary play. Mm. And also, up until ghost stories, really, I mean, for the most part, I think they've been bits and bobs, but it's sort of been trapped in this Victoriana, I think because of the woman in black. Um, but also, you know, it's very hard to, to break out of that Dickens, M.R. James mould that, we, that it, we're so locked into with, you know, the British ghost story, you know, so... So we wanted to just get away from that because the woman in black is so brilliant. So why would you reinvent that wheel? You know, it's mm. done. So we wanted to. Just did you feel like you were taking way. a chance when you were writing it, or did you think, "Oh, this is just going to be a smash hit. We know it's going to be good." No, we never thought that. I mean, I the minute I sort of had the idea, I knew that if we could deliver on the idea, there was the possibility that it would be very popular. Just because, as a huge horror fan. I know that I will go and see a horror film if someone says to me, oh, thing's a piece of shit, but you've got to go for this one moment. Mm-hmm. And most horror film fans will do that. And I know that, that, you know, there are millions of horror fans who who will do that, who will go just for this, to chase this one moment that you're after. But, you know, for all that cocky thinking, the first night we did it in Liverpool, there's nothing quite like the fear of thinking... Are we mental? <laughs> Is anybody going? Are we just going to boo? <laughs> Give us our money back. You know what's going to happen when we heard that first scream go? Oh, I just wanted to cry with happiness. I mean, it was just amazing. And then the second night was even more frightening because you thought, well, maybe that was just some weird adrenaline-fueled fluke mm. that carried us through it. You, may, you know, but the second night when you heard screams in the same places, you know, oh, okay. Mm. Something's it's, working. It yeah. works, it yeah. works, you know. And then it was just about refining it and honing it and, and never settling, you know. The cast are amazing because I'm a pain in the arse, you know. I give notes all the time, you know. I watch it every single night on the bits I'm not in and I'm always... That moment's not quite right. and I drive them mad. But we've set the bar really high and it's exciting. So did people... Um, did I hear that people have been fainting? Oh, my God, we have had everything. Last week, we had three pukers and a nosebleed. No. Oh, yeah. Psychic nosebleed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Seriously, that, you know, that panic thing where people, oh, no, it's gone, I'm bleeding. You <laughs> know. Yes, yeah. Just making something up of legal gentlemen. I know, unbelievable. So we've had that. So I would think we've probably had about a dozen people throw up. Now, I think that's a mix of getting a bit pissed beforehand yeah. and also just nerves, just nerves kicking in. Yeah. We've had panic attacks. Wow. We've had people needing, you know, uh, Red Cross giving them sweet tea. I mean, honestly, we've had the whole gamut. But people should definitely go and see this. There's no... <laughs> well, it's such a... It's... There's no gore. I don't There's know no why gore. people are getting so upset, because it's, it's, it's gore that's frightening, isn't it? Well, no, it's it's like your mind, everyone's it? different, though, in your head, Everyone's yeah. different. Yeah. Some people are like, I'm OK if it's gory. Mm. I hear that a lot. If it's gory, that's fine. Mm. I can't do the stuff that's going to give me nightmares. Right, yeah. I can't do the ghosts. You know, so everyone has their different thresholds. And that's the thing, you know, because not everyone's going to find it scary. Mm. It's just not. It's mm. like, you know, not everyone's going to find something funny. You can't... You just have to hope that your batting average is enough that yeah, yeah. most people will. And also, if you don't find it scary, hopefully it's entertaining and intriguing enough mm. that you go away and go, it didn't scare me, but I thought it was a great night. Mm. But, you know, certainly from the screams, I would say that... <laughs> A good a good ninety percent of the audience 
mm. gets the jump out of their seats. You know how, how um, film and movie posters have like you know five stars, and then yeah. and then the person who's given them that rating. Well, they they obviously need to do both a screamometer, yes, with a like a decibel rating, but also a how <laughs> many pukes really. and how many nosebleeds. Yeah, absolutely. You should just have little sick sick bags and one and bloody nose. <laughs> Just formalise yeah. this into a review process yeah, so that everyone idea. can get the benefit from it. Good idea. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You should, you should run with it. How many nosebleeds was it? I think it's two and a half. Was it? Yeah. Average over the run. Yeah. Even though we haven't finally settled on the best way of dying, I feel like I've still got an education out of it. Well, I think we've seen some of the worst rather than the best. I mean, like being eviscerated, that's not. That can't be fun, can it? Yeah, but no way is good. You have to go to the uh, most my extreme. Best, I think my best way is in Uprising, where I get... I didn't know uh, about this one. Uh, <laughs> good death. So I take out um, a load of Nazis with a machine gun, dive through a window, Nazi then um, flamethrowers the thing, I'm on fire, <laughs> come out on fire... <laughs> Grab him and take him down with me. Brilliant. That, my friends. That's a death. And for a Jew, what a death. What a <laughs> if you death. can kill Nazis take while you're dying. Take that. Yeah. Brilliant. Do you want to talk about your um, other future projects? What's in the pipeline? I've just shot a series for Channel 4 called Campus. Campus. Oh, yeah. That's the in... second series of Campus. Uh, it's the first series. We did a pilot. Oh, right. Sorry. I'm an idiot. Yeah. No, you're not. I remember there was something. Yeah. Because it's written by um, one of the writers, is James Henry, who wrote Green Wing. Yeah. Campus is a sort of campus, uh, like on campus, it's like at yeah, a university. Green, green Wing-esque mm. on a university. So I just finished that, or I've got two days left to do on that in December. And as of today, I just got the thumbs up on a film that I'm going to be doing in December. Nice. A small British film, which I'm really looking forward to, um, called The Glass Man, written by and directed by a guy called Christian Solomino. Who I've worked with on and off for a few years. Actually, we did. I did my very first film with him. I think called uh, Dead Babies, the Martin Amis movie. So that's really exciting. I'm really looking forward to that. And then we're in talks at the moment about doing ghost stories in America. So we'll see what happens with that. Taking it to Broadway. We'll see. Either off Broadway or Broadway or yeah. So it's very exciting. Well, Andy Nyman, actor, writer, director, and magician. Have I got that in the right order? Perfect. Hey! Perfect. It's been really nice to get to know you. Very nice to get to know you. Thank you for coming in and um, telling us all, all about the way that uh, the ways you died in Goodbye. Goodbye. That was Shift Run Stop, available on iTunes or from the website shiftrunstop.co.uk. I'm a computer.